Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Justin Trudeau talks about rebuilding Canada-U.S. relations on Meet the Press. It's great to see America re-engage. I think uh, certainly there were uh, things that were more challenging uh, under the previous administration in terms of moving the dial in the right direction on the international stage. Will an influx of vaccines lead to a measurable jump in vaccinations? I want the government to succeed in the vaccine rollout and another vaccine, being AstraZeneca, is, is positive. We still have questions about their timeline and meeting the September deadline because we're millions of doses behind where we should be. And calls for a change in culture within the armed forces. Given the whole context of the, the culture change that we're looking at, everything is currently on the table. We will look at the various independence uh, or, or, or uh, the independence of organization so that we can make improvements to the system. It's Monday, March the 1st. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for being with us today. Hi, Mark. Always a pleasure. So the Prime Minister was on NBC's Meet the Press on Sunday, and uh, I'm not sure a lot of new uh, details emerged from that interview from a Canadian perspective, but there was a lot of talk of the relationship between Canada and the United States with Donald Trump in charge and with Joe Biden in charge. Uh, The Prime Minister uh, talked about uh, rebuilding Canada-U.S. relations and kind of the the new chapter, it's great to see America re-engage under Joe Biden. Um, There was talk about uh, the whole issue around Meng Wanzhou, the detained Huawei executive who's been arrested in Canada waiting extradition, and the uh, Canadians who have been held in China. Uh, So what did you take away from that interview? Well, I take away, you know, that's... You know, whenever Stephen Harper used to appear on U.S. television, uh, you know, whenever whenever an American network comes calling, typically a Canadian prime minister says, sure, what time? Uh, so, you know, there's a chance to get the, you know, anytime Canadians can get in front of Americans, uh, especially when it comes to discussions around international affairs or, or cooperation, you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity. So I'd, I'd start there, uh, that it's it's good to see a, Canadian Prime Minister, you know, back in front of an American audience talking about the need to work together, because there are some irritants, uh, irritants, you know, and if you're a Canadian Prime Minister, you, you, you've had the meeting with Joe Biden virtually this week, you know, uh, you know, it's working, you know, that there's a stronger uh, bond of friendship, and at least of, you know, uh, a, a commitment to a cordial conversation, uh, that there's a recognition that we are allies, not enemies. So there's lots to lots to build on there, but you know there are going to be irritants as well. So in some ways, I think this is part of the message to uh, get Canada back out in front of Americans, talk about you know uh, the kinds of uh, you know good neighbors and good friends we are and have been, because that'll be important to emphasize when we start hitting. Uh, if we do, uh, you know, some some bumps in the road over by American. And, and other issues. So, you know, it's, it's good to get on there and, and tell Americans all about Canada as many times as you can. So I think that's important. I, I think I agree with you. I didn't hear a whole lot of new in there. There was an acknowledgement when there was a conversation around, you know, COVID-19 and working together with the United States to deal with the pandemic that, you know, Canada's had some 
some uh, challenges and some bumps in the road with the vaccine process in this country and conversations around, you know, why Canada is still so far behind so many other countries. And I think the prime minister is happy to pivot uh, to the conversation about how vaccines will now be flooding into Canada. And hopefully uh, from the government's perspective, that is a, a corner we're about to turn in terms of vaccine supply. Yeah, and this is the start of a new month and one in which I think Justin Trudeau and members of his team are hoping there will be a kind of a game-changing moment or series of moments around this storyline that by the end of March, I think they're hoping that a lot more Canadians will have received the vaccine. So is this is, is this kind of a critical month and are we going to be, is that going to be the dominant storyline of, of March 2021? Yeah, I think it's it's you know it's been the dominant storyline for a, a year, and I think it continues to be until you know almost you know every Canadian who wants a vaccine has had one, and uh, we see a prolonged, uh, widespread reopening of the economy, and people start getting back to work, and everybody starts getting back to you know whatever the new normal will be, and there's lots of conversation around that, but uh, I. Th- think when you know when we look back on this if everything goes the way it's supposed to this probably will be looked at this month and next month you know march and april probably looked at the the two months where the big rebound really began and it's all hinging on vaccine on on the supply of vaccine and the rollout of uh the administration of vaccines across the country but we'll want to continue to watch the conversation around those two things mark because if you know, the vaccines roll in and the amounts that the government's talking about now with the approval of AstraZeneca and maybe a couple of weeks we learned on the weekend, a couple of weeks away from a Johnson & Johnson vaccine approval, uh, that supply shouldn't be the issue anymore. Uh, getting it into arms will be the issue. But if that goes really well in March and April, I think we'll look back and say these two months were the, the two months where Canada turned the corner. And if Canada turns the corner, does that set the stage perhaps for a spring election or even a late spring election? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's in a minority government, it's never off the table. What's what's on the table, uh, I think, becomes the, and, you know, I've talked about this before, it's, what you know, what's the trigger? And if the vaccination process rolls out really well, I think you're going to see a couple of things. And we're, we're seeing kind of the possibility of a narrative emerging lately where the, the government is... Uh, you know, lamenting the fact that they, in particular, the conservatives are holding up much, you know, much needed legislation, COVID relief uh, money and and programs. And the conservatives are now becoming, you know, even more pointed in, in some of their attacks on the government over the pandemic response, not the least of which is what's happening in the in the government's quarantine hotels, not just trouble booking them, but been a you know, in the in the in the quarantining process, there's been a couple of cases of sexual assault. There's people complaining again this weekend about how poorly they're being treated at these government quarantine hotels. But is, is you know, is that a lasting um, you know, is that a, is that a lasting uh, a millstone around a government's neck? If we had an election called two or two and a half months from now, is is that still going to be the issue? But you know, back to the you know back to the trigger. It's either going to be the opposition parties trying to take the government down, uh, or the government deciding that it needs to ask for a new mandate because the opposition parties are blocking its path forward for Canadians. That seems like the likelier one where we're headed these days because 
Jagmeet Singh's on the record again uh, this past week saying, I have no intention of giving Justin Trudeau the election he wants, so we won't be voting against the budget. We won't be exercising our ability to vote non-confidence in the government, which could trigger an election. So as long as he's got the NDP supporting him, uh, the only avenue I can see to, to an election call is for the prime minister to say, the opposition parties are putting spokes in our wheels as we try to rebuild the economy and help Canadians. So I need a new mandate, so I'm going to go see the Governor-General and ask for an election. Yeah, and we've already seen some language around that already with the Liberals accusing the Conservatives of system- systematically blocking their legislative agenda. So so that framing is there if the government decides, if the Liberals decide to use it. So we'll see yeah, I, how I that plays out. I think the way to look at this these days, Mark, and the people I've talked to is that you you are not, you know, you're not looking for a door to charge through for an election, but you're certainly not closing a single one of them. Mm-hmm. And so you're 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 building all your options. You're building a narrative of an opposi- an uncooperative opposition. You're building a narrative uh, about look at the vaccine rollout. You're building all the positives you can, leaving open as many doors to an election call if you need it, but you don't have to go through any of those doors if, if you don't think you can win. And that's, I think that's always the most significant thing is, you know, that you have to ask yourself if you're a government in power and a minority parliament, look, we're still, we're still running the country. Uh, and, you know, the only reason to go to an election is if we're absolutely convinced that we get a majority and keep running the country because to do otherwise you know you risk you risk being thrown out and you've given up power and that turns out to be a very poor judgment call all right as we wrap up peter um some thoughts from you on uh where we stand with the canadian armed forces defense minister harjit sajjan has done a number of interviews including one with you last week on uh, the, the series of issues, allegations against uh, the, the last two chiefs of the defense staff. Uh, what needs to, He said that the time is now for change, basically. The culture's got to change. Uh, what does that look like? Yeah, the time's long past for a need for change in culture. Um, but, you know, the, the government's signaling that that's sort of running out running out of patience uh with all of this but look let's come back to what's happened here and there's a there's been another there's been an outgoing chief of defense staff and uh, general jonathan vance who uh, after he goes out the door uh there are allegations of sexual misconduct which he continues uh, to die to deny that surface but uh, the the suggestion is that the, that evidence was there before the question is how high up the government did it go and who knew about it he goes out the door the man who replaces him you know within basically hours of taking over that job there are allegations of sexual misconduct against him and he steps aside uh, you know admiral mcdonald stepped aside while this investigation continues but we have the last cds under investigation by the military investigative arm and we have have the new CDS under investigation by the uh, investigative arm of uh, the Canadian military. So it's not a good look at all, uh, obviously. And, you know, the, the government really needs to be thinking about ways to develop a vetting process for this and every other important job that, you know, tries to get at these things before before they surface. And I'm not sure how you do that. It has been suggested to me that one, one way to do it is, especially with the defense staff, is if you want to be CDS, you know, that the short list be made public. And here's where, here are the five or seven people 
the government is considering. They're all from within the Canadian military, so everybody knows who they are. They've expressed interest in the job. We're putting their names out there, and so we want to hear feedback from within the forces about this. And you know that that's a, a can be a risky way to go. But one of mm. two things happens: is you find out. Uh, a lot about the individuals you may not have known before the appointment takes place and you have a, a you know the short list is uh, populated by people who believe that there's nothing to find out about right. them that would be embarrassing or troublesome yeah. so they put their names forward so you've already created a vetting process that uh, that that yeah. you know is sort of self-betting before it gets to the to the end of the line All right, we'll see if ideas like that come forward in the days ahead. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, Mark, great to talk to you. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun considers the differing perspectives from public health officials. The Sun writes, It's been a frustrating few weeks as Canadians listen to competing perspectives when it comes to reopening. We have seen modeling that showed Canada's COVID-19 cases drastically taking off unless even further measures were enacted. There are public health officials who are approving loosening of restrictions in some provinces. We've learned a lot this past year. Let's put that information to good use and come up with smart, targeted responses. In the Toronto Star, Leslie Gavel argues universal child care would cure many social ills. Gavel writes... Universal child care would go a long way in solving the gender wage gap. Families, children, and the community would also stand to greatly benefit from women's contributions in the public realm. It's a solution that has been thrown around since the 70s, and yet we've yet to create a countrywide early learning and child care system. Without universal access to affordable, high-quality child care, women's equality will never be realized. In the Hamilton Spectator, John Musader argues healthy aging must be the upshot of the pandemic. Musader writes, Living within the guardrails of a pandemic has aged everyone, and we are getting a glimpse into how the seeds of frailty are sown. Our response to the global pandemic should include robust policies for healthy aging. Older Canadians are an economic pillar, one that will crumble in the absence of supports for healthy aging. The past year has been a valuable lesson on the importance of nurturing our functional ability, especially in older people. Let's turn insight into action. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will virtually meet with student council members from Island View High School in Eastern Passage, Nova Scotia. He will also chair the Cabinet meeting. Small Business Minister Mary Ng will speak at Canada's first women-led virtual trade mission to Taiwan. And Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will make an announcement in support of agriculture literacy. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, March the 1st. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.